Greetings, programs, and welcome back to the Awesome Friday Podcast. My name is Matthew, and this week we're talking about two new films. Hooray! Hooray. Joining me today is Simon. Do Hooray. say hello, Simon. Hello, Simon. <laughs> uh, do you know, um, one of the nice things last night, we all met up in real life. I saw you in the flesh, which was always a pleasure. And um, it was the first time... Because uh, we went to our friend's house for our, our book club, and everyone went. All all of us went, and my wife came, and so I had to bring my children. And it's the first time my a lot of that group have seen my son in particular in probably about six months, and I just really enjoyed the shock on their faces as he walked in, as the the almost like five ten adult walked through the door, and door. Yeah, I mean, door, uh, our friend's door, wife, who is diminutive, pulled me aside, and he's so big. He's like, yes. Yes, he is. I really enjoyed that. I mean, he has grown, I would say. I would say that your son is pretty much definitely taller from the last time. Today is January 21st, and the last yeah. time I saw your son would have been Christmas. So yes. just, we'll say a month ago. Less than, but a month ago. <laughs> and I'm reasonably sure he's at least an inch taller. At least an it, inch taller than he was then. Sometimes him just walking up the stairs, I think he grows overnight. And I'm just grateful he, I got terrible, maybe you did too, but I was very tall growing up. I grew up very quickly and I had awful um, growing pains, like cramps in my legs growing up. Like that would wake me up like screaming in the night because my legs were like tearing themselves apart. He doesn't seem to have any of that. Maybe because he's so active and I certainly wasn't. Did you have um, growing pains growing up? I mean, I have back problems to this day. (laughs) And... uh... (laughs) Uh, I, I didn't really have pains, though. I do have stretch marks, though, from where I just grew mm, so fast. Mm-hmm. I have stretch marks on my back. Yeah, like whip lines. Like three, I've got three, like, welts that look like I've been whipped. Yeah. But that was fun. It was very nice seeing everyone in real life last night, even though I didn't read the book again. But um, hey. Since when is a... reading the book uh, a component of book club? <laughs> and we got tacos, which is always good. They were good tacos. Yeah. Um, I want to uh, just tell you that you're correct about the bear. I watched episode one of the bear and thought it was wonderful. So if you're listening at home, people, especially if you're like me, you don't have. I really can't focus on long episodes of things, and especially if I come in and the season's finished and there's twelve episodes each an hour long, I don't have that amount of time in my life to give to anything. The bear is, apart from the one you told me one special is like quite long, they're all like a, a snappy 28 to 30. And it fits in that that uh, that half an hour gap I have between putting my son down and then passing out on the couch. And uh, it's wonderful. And, and Je- the, I've never seen Jeremy Allen White in anything before. I'm not sure if he did anything I would have seen before. But he, he was um, on a show called Shameless for like 12 years. Oh, yeah, that was him, was it? Okay. Um. So when he recently won something, it was either, did he win an Emmy or a Golden Globe or both? It doesn't matter. Because in one of the speeches, he gives this lovely speech about how he felt absolutely um, so much self-doubt uh, in his ability to do that role. And uh, what I love is that he talked about the support he had and how hard he worked to get through it. And I think you can see that on screen in just that first episode I've seen because his character, who is this like tremendously successful chef who, who takes over basically a sandwich shop and wants to 
um, in, increase the quality of it, but he's fighting forces as well, fighting uh, the the rhythm that everyone had got into, and he is so the character is so unsure of himself at times as well. He kind of oscillates between wanting to give up and and thinking, "Fuck this, I'm going to go for it," and he has so much of that uncertainty, uh, including a wonderful scene where he gets basically he tries to sort something out but gets mildly beaten up. Like he's very vulnerable character. And that vulnerability, I, I think his vulnerability in, in the in acting that character is like right there on screen. And it's uh he's fantastic in it. You haven't even gotten to the vulnerable parts to be totally honest. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I can't wait. But to to answer your first question, whether he won uh, an Emmy, a Golden Globe, or a Critics Choice Award in for 2023 uh the answer yes. is he won all three yes like they're the, oh that's nice the the, the 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 emmys for 2023 were delayed until january the 7th and so mm-hmm. for season one of the bear he's won an emmy um mm-hmm. and for season one of the bear he won a golden he won a golden globe last year and this year because <laughs> they wow. weren't delayed um, and he this year he also won a Critics' Choice Award. He also won the Screen Actors Guild Award for season one, and he's nominated for season mm-hmm. two. Jesus. And I, I sincerely hope, because season two is, I would argue, better than season one, and uh, also Evan Moss Bacharach, Bacharach uh, won mm-hmm. one of those awards for Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series, and I hope he racks up all the wins for that as well. He's so good. Mm-hmm. And same with uh, Io Itabiri. She won... A bunch of awards oh, for her performance so uh, as well. She's so she's very excellent in the show, and mm-hmm. um, I hope she continues to be excellent in the show because. And it's perfect timing as well because I've just seen Bottoms and she was incredible in Bottoms or Bardens if you want the local pronunciation. And I I came out of that thinking I want to see I want to find out what else she's done and then it just. It turns out it's the bear is the next thing she's done. And so I'm enjoying that. But I need to go over pretty much everything else she's done because she's great. Yeah. Apparently she's in Abbott Elementary as well, but that's not a show I've watched. Oh, she's in Dickinson. Should watch that too. Good. Well, yes, it's nice. So, yes, good. Yeah, it turns out there's a, a... There's a lot of good stuff on TV, but the bear is among the best of it. So, and it's also like, you know, the bear is a good enough show and well-directed and performed enough that, uh, John Bernthal, who's only in like three scenes of season one is up for best supporting actor in a comedy at the, at the Emmy, was up for best supporting actor at the Emmy Awards. So is that the guy who plays the Punisher? That yeah. guy? Yeah. Oh, I haven't met him yet. Then. I haven't seen he, him yet. So the setup of the bear is he's taken over the sandwich shop from his brother who has committed suicide and John Bernthal mm. plays the brother in Oh, oh I see. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's great. It's I just re- love he's, it. I'm, he's really good. I'm really reacting. I know this is such a stupid thing to say, but it feels more true than ever. I'm really reacting to well-made stuff at the moment. Like when something is well done, like with artistry, and it's acted well. I, I watched so much crap that, like, Echo was a perfect example of great ideas done without any creativity or any risk or any kind of energy at all. And the bear's the opposite of that. And I also, um, 
I've been saying for a long time, it's not about, I don't care how derivative a story is if it's told creatively well, interestingly. And I watched a, a movie that you and your wife recommended to me called Watcher this week with um, uh, Michael Monroe and uh, the other guy. who Vern Gorman. Thank you. And uh, I, I mean, it's Rear Window and it's derivative and, and it's got a lot of it follows in it as well. But it is so brilliantly made and shot and... Um, it looks beautiful as well. And same with, um, what's that Sean Levy movie I watched this week with my kids that I texted you about? Real Steel. Uh, oh, this is Real Steel. his best movie. <laughs> Real Steel looks just gorgeous. It is brilliantly edited and shot. And I just get a real buzz out of that at the moment. Like more than ever, it's like artistry. And the, the CG in Real Steel looks real. Everything looks absolutely in world. And again, and my my son actually asked, "Are those like are these models, or is that computer graphic?" Because he couldn't tell because it's just so well lit, and it goes back to what you were saying about CG's not the enemy. You just need the artistry. Uh, you need to be able to use it so it's invisible. And Real Steel is a great example of that. It must be seventy percent CG shots because it's big fighting robots, and it all looks in world. It looks fantastic. So I I don't know what magic Sean Levy found to make that movie, but it's it's interesting because I find Sean Levy to be a really interesting director because generally speaking, I find his films to be reliably entertaining, mm-hmm. but with only one or two exceptions, I wouldn't say that any, any of them are really like uh, you know artistic achievements. If that makes mm-hmm. sense, mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like, totally, yeah. yeah. Um, but weirdly, Real Steel is one of the two that I would say that like surpasses itself. <sighs> And the others? Uh, actually, I'm not 100% sure there is another one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I like Night at the Museum. I think it's fantastic. It's brilliantly made. The first one is, yeah. Uh, the the yes. first one I think is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the internship is just a big ad for Google. Free, I mean, I loved Free Guy, but I wouldn't go so far as to say that that is mm-hmm. like, you know, an artistic masterpiece. I thought the Adam mm-hmm. Project was sort of fine, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked you know? it. I think it's interesting because I think he's a reliably good director and I think he's the wrong choice for Deadpool 3, if that is. Oh, interesting. I just think he's too family friendly. I think he's too safe. You know, I think uh, I'm not sure he has, I'm not, I'm not sure he has it in him. And I hope, and to be clear, whenever I say something like this, I hope I'm wrong, but I'm not sure he has it in him to make a Deadpool movie unless Mm -hmm. they're scaling it back to be PG-13, which I think would be a mistake. Yeah, it'd be very interesting. I wonder why they haven't got the last director doing it. The um, It was Chuck, what's his face, wasn't it? Or uh, if I got the name completely wrong. First one was Tim Miller, and the second one was David Leach. Oh, David Leach, who am I thinking of? Yeah. Well, it'd be interesting. There's been lots of scuttlebutt about the production of Deadpool 3 and the, the clash of creative um, sort of wants and needs from the Disney side and from the Ryan Reynolds side and um, it would be interesting to see how that turns out. Hopefully it's not a mess. I mean, I'm sure it will be. And I say that as, <laughs> I say that as someone who very much liked both Deadpool and Deadpool 2. Mm-hmm. It's got so much to do, isn't it? Sorry, Karen. I was going to say, interestingly, as someone who like, I don't think 
I have a hard time with David Leach as a director at this point. I think he's very hit or miss. But mm-hmm. despite the action, I thought was not incredibly well directed. I thought that the storyline of Deadpool two, I thought, except you know, setting aside for a second, there's a couple of I think problematic tropes in it. Um, I think. In the same way that I like Guardians of the Galaxy 2 better than Guardians of the Galaxy 1, I think the stories about being a family rather than finding your family are a little more powerful. Mm -hmm. So uh, Mm -hmm. do with all that what you will. Either way, as they say, I'm just sort of worried about... I'm sort of worried about Deadpool 3 because I think that Sean Levy is sort of too safe of a director for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't really disagree. Who, Who would be a good Deadpool 3 director? I mean, honestly, maybe they should get the good John Wick director, Chad Stahelski. <laughs> Which ones did he do? Uh, all the John Wicks. <laughs> oh. Okay. He's also, uh, you know, he was he was the stunt coordinator for The Matrix. and Oh, that guy, yeah. Yeah. He also has a small part in The Matrix, uh, the newest one, Resurrections. Okay. Well, good. I'm sure it will be fine. Yeah, I'm Hopefully. sure it'll make a million dollars no matter what. Hopefully it's not too Ryan Reynolds-y without him showing his heart. So I think Deadpool 2 got the uh, balance pretty much perfect. But some Ryan Reynolds movie have been far too Ryan Reynolds-y. Without the pathos. I think, I think that the... Like the magic sauce of Deadpool is that he's very invested in the character, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. like on a personal level. It's not just something he's showing up to do; it's something he's invested in, like mm-hmm. invested in doing and creating and trying to get correct. And also, I mean, it's kind of the role he was born to play. So, yes, that's true. That's, I think um... he's. I think he's more than that, but I do think he's basically perfect for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Well, what are we talking about this week? Should we get into one of our two things? Yeah, probably. You know, give the people what they want and all that. Um, <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk about two films today. Um, neither of which is actually technically new, but both of which are sort of new to release. Um, first, we're going to talk about a film that I saw originally a year ago at Sundance oh. and has just started coming out on demand finally. Um, uh, called Eileen, and um, that's starring Thomason McKenzie and Anne Hathaway and Shay Wiggum and a few other people. Uh, um, Marin Ireland being another significant person. And um, since you watched it more recently than I have, Simon, I'm going to ask you to take us through the basic spoiler-free plot because there is a pretty big twist in this movie. Uh, there's a pretty big swing in the last part of this movie. <sighs> So try and be as spoiler-free as possible. But I know you didn't like it. I can Even if I didn't know ahead of time, I could tell from your tone and your body language yeah. on this radio show that you didn't like it. So give us the most basic rundown uh, of Eileen. Well, Thompson McKenzie works in the administrative department of a boys' like youth prison. Uh, and she lives in Massachusetts, as evidenced by her incredible Massachusetts accent, which is like dialed up to 11. I don't know what her natural accent is, but I'm pretty sure it's not this. Um, And she, uh, because 
she basically lives with her alcoholic father who used to be the police chief and uh, he still thinks that gives him some degree of power to will throw his gun around at, at people outside when they piss him off and he's he's basically uh, played very well by Shay Wiggum uh, a, a hollow shell of a man and we we learned that the is probably caused by the death of um, his wife so her Eileen's mother and, and also the alcohol and and uh, yes which prompted a lot of alcohol he's a complete alcoholic and um so Thompson doesn't have much of a life Eileen doesn't have much of a life she, she we we learned earlier that she basically dresses in her mother's clothes so she uh for the most part she dresses extremely conservative conservatively in, in very dark sort of drab colors and she um we see we see peaks into her daydreaming she um she's not uh she has no sexual release from anywhere so she she kind of daydreams about getting some of some sexual attention some intimacy from anywhere from anyone she can see or anyone she can imagine and um she lives a pretty she's in a terrible rut without much positivity at all and uh she she is unable to act on any of her desires for the people around her or the people that she sees um and her father's horrible horrible to her like really really dismissive um he compares her to his uh, his other daughter her big sister who has has moved out and doesn't even talk to the dad anymore but he still says that she she's a family woman she has things going for her and he, he's really abusive mentally to Eileen even though she looks after him he'd be completely lost without her and so um into this drab no hope situation um comes a prison psychologist um played by Anne Hathaway um who plays Rebecca and uh the character of Rebecca is this like platinum blonde, um, high power, uh, high confidence, well dressed, basically everything that Eileen isn't and sort of wants to be is represented by Anne Hathaway's character. You're, so you're also leaving you're leaving out that this film is set in somewhere in the midnight in mid nineteen sixties. So some of the like societal repression is at play for Eileen and and uh, yeah and Hathaway's character plays like a a 60s version of what you're talking about yeah exactly she's she's like this very forthright uh highly educated well-spoken like powerful woman in power so she does her all this sort of 60s misogyny to work through as well and uh to cut a long story as short as I possibly can uh Rebecca is the influence on Eileen to come out of her shell to uh discover to 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 focus on her own sexuality a bit more to focus on her own independence as Eileen becomes more and more infatuated with this uh independent uh, educated beautiful woman who really does not give a fuck about um, what men think of her and is free and likes to drink and dance and punch and um and um so i the i think the film thinks it's showing eileen's journey from huge uh closed in introvert to something else but um it it isn't it isn't successful really in anything it tries to do for me it's 
the problem with the main problem with Eileen is that everyone comes in sort of fully formed and is everyone comes in to be the influence Eileen that they need to be for the narrative and then it just goes places there's no arc or development coming from anywhere there's a there's a twist that's meant to be shocking and it's just stupid and it comes out of nowhere it doesn't make any sense and nothing's wrapped up and the, where the character ends at the end you, you can't see a through line of how Eileen ends up at this this point and uh, Anne Hathaway's character is so it to, superficial doesn't even cover it like she is one thing throughout this movie and then she acts in some random ways that don't really make sense either and um, it is saved there is one excellent monologue in this movie by one excellent actor and uh, that's great but I just was mainly bored during this movie I don't think there wasn't anything that was interesting for me there was no like unfolding characters there was no uh you didn't see the influence grow it just was there and uh it was just like a switch and it's nowhere near as clever as it thinks it is um so i was disappointed really didn't work for me at all yeah i don't disagree with anything you're saying in, in particular to be totally honest i watched this film originally at Sundance 2023, so literally a year ago. Um, and going into recording this episode, I remembered very little about it, which I think is pretty telling. Um, I remember... <clears throat> so my main takeaway for this movie is that it is extremely well-performed and ultimately unsuccessful. So that's, I think that Thompson McKenzie is great. I think that Anne Hathaway is actually really great as well. Uh, I think Marin Ireland... And uh, Owen Teague plays another character who is one of the prisoners in the boys' prison. I think he's pretty good too. Um, I think all so. I think all of the actors are good. I think some of the direction and framing choices uh, is pretty good, and I think it is unsuccessful in trying to do the things it is trying to do, which is a little bit disappointing. Um, but mostly, I just don't have that much else to say about it. You know, it's sort of the problem with a film that I feel medium about is that I don't have a lot to say. I can tell you that we are definitely in the minority. Like this film is currently sitting at like 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like most people who have seen it have liked it. So I'm always on team. Go see it for yourself. So if you're listening to us and you think you might be curious about it, just even just to see some good performances, like I think there's probably something there for most of you, but I never need to see it again. I just don't. It's fine. It's, it is what it is and it's fine. I think, I think if it was a little bit, I think it lacks energy, I think is the way to say it. Or maybe that's wrong. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's just, there's something not quite there, you know, like it. There's no interesting it development. It doesn't have a little bit of je ne sais quoi to make anything compelling for me. Um, it's not even that it's not interesting. Like I'm sort of fine. I think Eileen does have a character arc and I think it's fairly shallow, but that would be fine if there was anything extra going on there you know what i mean and i don't think it's her fault i think i think that she i think thomas and mckenzie is very very good and i don't i don't i don't know what it is you could add to this movie to give it that like extra hit of secret sauce but it needs something there's something missing do you know what that something is any kind of character development for anne hathaway's character like anything Um... And, and I'm sort of okay she, with that kind of character, though. Like, I'm sort of okay with the kind of character who can walk 
walks into a, a scene or a film and the film has to change around them. So I don't think that's Anne Hathaway or the character's fault. I think if anything, it's a failure on maybe the direction and, and writer to like not adequately bend the world around her. Cause I think, I think she's great. Like Anne Hathaway is, I think does really, really well in this film. Um, like I say, I just think it needs, maybe the script needed another pass. Maybe, maybe even like tighten something up in the edit. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on what it is, but it's just missing that one little bit of something that would have made it great. I mean, Anne Hathaway is always great. She's a great actor and she does make the most of this material, but she, she, she comes in already in her final form. There's no, she doesn't learn anything from Eileen at all. There's no development or realization of her own self. At the end of this movie, she's as much of a mystery as she is at the beginning. There's no curtain pulled back. And I think for me, that's a huge missing part because there's no, um, there's no satisfaction of watching them. We see Eileen is the one reacting to her, but she's not reacting to Eileen at all. Like at all. And she's definitely got some, she's definitely got some demons because she's highly educated, but she can't, every time she drinks, she turns into something else. That's not ever explored at all. She makes some rash decisions that lead to the supposed twist. That's not developed at all. Like we, there is, there is no, there's no, point where we see Rebecca develop from one thing into another. She just is this amazing forthright character who then has this influence and then makes this bad decision. It's completely just a shell. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I guess uh, I don't disagree with what you're saying about her. I'm just saying that I think it's it's a failure the other way to, like, maybe if you're going to do it that way, which I think is legitimate, I think then they needed to maybe make Eileen's character arc a little less shallow. Like, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a problem that that Rebecca doesn't have one. I think it's a problem that if she doesn't have one, Eileen's needs to be greater. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, like whichever way you want to handle it, like there's a, there's a, whatever, whatever, whatever hot sauce you need to make this, this dish good. um, It doesn't have it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yep. but I, again, like, I'm just going to stay on team, see it for yourself. Lots of people have loved this movie. Um, and, uh, it's, a, I always feel a bit weird when it, you know, I don't, weird is the wrong word, but it's always interesting to me when like, there's, there's definitely things I love that people hate, but it's interesting to me that like, I seem to be off the consensus on this one in a big way, in a way that I didn't expect. Uh, so as always, I'm on team, see it for yourself. I gave it three stars when I first saw it. I'll probably say two stars now. Yeah. Um, and that's entirely for the performances. So yeah, I'm, you I'm do with that stars. what you will. I'm absolutely just about two stars as well. I I like there's some jump. I like the um the use of very extreme cuts to extreme violence that turn out to be flashbacks, and it does it in a way that sometimes you're not sure if this is actually now reality or, or if she is just having another daydream. And I thought that was a good technique. Um, but there's very few things about this film that I liked. But two, two stars as well. The accent's good. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Well, and, mm. you know, it's it's not out of the ordinary at this point for Marin Ireland to show up in a film and 
have one great scene and own the entire movie with it. So yeah, she really, really. That's not an uh, an overstatement. She really does, and I'm looking now to see if I what else I've seen her in because it's it's not even funny how she just walks into this film and just snatches it completely with one scene. Yeah, she starred in a film last year that I don't think you saw called Birth Rebirth, which I, to be clear, is a film I don't think was very successful, but she is great in it. Uh, And if you like horror movies, uh, I think she's, there's a movie called The Dark and the Wicked that she's quite good in too. Right. Yeah, I should check out more of her stuff. I haven't seen anything. I think she's in, she's in The Irishman too, I think. And uh, Hell or High Water. She's been in a lot of stuff. She's mm-hmm. been like a character actor for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. I, I can't recommend this film at all. See it if you want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, I'm mostly recommending it based on the fact that like lots of other people who I like and who normally I share tastes with have liked it. So mm-hmm. see it for yourself is my... I, it didn't work for me, but see it for yourself. But that's to be fair, it's literally always my recommendation. Yes, <laughs> to, yeah, of course. No matter what I thought about it, it's just to see it for yourself. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, let's move on to our second one, which is yeah. Taika Waititi's new movie, Next Goal Wins. So tell us what happens in that. Yeah. So we're finally catching up with Next Goal Wins, which came out last uh, fall, I guess, uh, September, finally out on demand. So we're finally catching up with it. Uh, This movie recounts the story of Thomas Rundgren uh, heading to American Samoa to basically revamp their national football team, national soccer team, for those of you in, you know, the country we live in. Um, it's a dramatization of a true story. Uh, there is a documentary from about a dozen or 10 years ago by the same title, which I haven't seen, but now I want to. Um, and basically it tells the story of American Samoa who headed into the qualifiers for the 2012, 2014 World Cup, um, are the worst team in the world or in all of FIFA anyway. And Ron Grin's job is to basically make them not that. All, all American Samoa wants from him is for his, for their team to score a single goal and to basically come out from under the shadow of having had the worst loss in World Cup history a few years before uh, with a 31-0 loss to Australia. Um, the film stars Michael Fassbender as Ron Grin and uh, with a host of Samoan talent, uh, including Oscar Knightley as the as Tavita, the head of the uh, Federation, uh, the Football Federation of American Samoa, um, David Fain, Rachel House, uh, uh, Beulah Cole, uh, who else is in this? Uh, Kaimana, oh. someone I'd never seen before, plays uh, Jayas, uh, I'm going to say this, but Saluya. Um, who is actually in real life the uh, actual first non-binary person to compete in any kind of World Cup uh, qualifier or match at all. Um, They're really, really splendid in this. Um, And at the end of the day, it's an underdog sports movie directed by Taika Waititi. So if any of that sentence sounds good to you, it'll probably be good for you. I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. I found that like... I found that this movie is maybe his most straightforward movie in ages. 
in mm-hmm. that it's it's a pretty straightforward underdog sports movie. And I think it actually suffers a little bit from his normal style. Like not not every goddamn thing needs to be a joke or delivered as a joke at least. Mm. And uh, I think it takes a while to get moving, but then the end is like a rousing underdog sports story victory. So it's fine. It's totally fine film. I'm glad that I watched it. Uh, yeah, it's it's fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> if I can uh, paraphrase the football parlance, it's a game of three halves. And um, <laughs> it is it's like when, when I started this film, I almost texted you because I love Thor Love and Thunder. I really like uh, is it Boy? That's a good movie. And um, sorry, so I did like about... Love and Thunder. I thought I liked Thor Ragnarok. I did not like Thor Love and Thunder. I liked his uh, no, the world of oh, help me, Rise of the World of People. What was that called? Hunt, Hunt for Hunt for, Hunt the, for world the World of People. People is great. And I, um, he's uh, involved in a pirate series called Our Flag Means Death, which I loved. I and he is brilliant in that as an actor as well. Really, just got canceled, like... unfortunately. Oh no, I didn't know that. Yeah, just after well, after two seasons second, it's been cancelled. Yeah. It's really good and it's that balance of like funny with pathos. It, like he's brilliant in that. And Reese Darby's brilliant in that. And this movie is so uneven and so many of the jokes don't work. And in the first chunk of this movie, I almost texted you, like, do we even watch this? I remember when Taika Wojtyki could make a good movie because I love what we do in the shadows as well. I'm a huge fan of a lot of his work and the beginning of this film. I just need to stop you right there and just Watiti. Am I saying his name wrong? Am I saying Watiki, like the the island? You're saying Watiki, like the torch. Taika Watiti. Let's call him Taika, my my mate Taika. Anyway, that guy. That guy. Thank you for the correction. That guy. Um, What was I saying? A huge fan of his work, and so when something doesn't work, I've, it's kind of fascinating because I didn't like Thor: Love and Thunder. I didn't think it was a good movie at all. And this movie opens. There's a, a director insert character in this film that I just think is a huge like misfire for for him. That is bordering on taking the piss out of the culture. Like for for a movie that is so heartfelt, and it really is. There's a lot of heart in this film, uh, especially like the 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 middle third. I enjoyed, and the last third is incredibly emotional. There's there's actually an unexpected emotional gut punch that got me very teary in this movie, and it and it I felt very like happily emotional by the end of it, uh, and I really liked it for the most part. But the beginning is so rocky getting to that point. There's so many weird decisions in this film. And his character insert is, I don't know what he's doing. He's, but it, it feels like he's trying to be super like funny in a movie that isn't trying to be a straight comedy. It's got funny moments in it, uh, but uh, the balance is off completely. But the, there's some really weird decisions that reminded me a lot of when I was giving feedback to the student plays and films that I directed once upon a time and they would there was this um 
they always wanted to make references to things they'd seen. And there's one moment in this where Michael Fassbender out of nowhere quotes Taken, the, the, the monologue from Taken, when he arrives in Western Samoa, like the whole thing. And I'm just like, why Why is he doing this? It's not, it's really like a little bit cringeworthy, especially when Fassbender's character is not short of things to say for himself. He's got his own words. He doesn't often quote other movies like wholesale. And it just well, actually, rem- remind- he does though. Like every time he's like caught in a moment, he quotes a film and it even goes into... In the last act, it goes to him like taking notes from a film and then being called out on it. So yeah, but I don't know it doesn't work for me. Yeah, I don't. I, I the the it kind of again it goes back to what you're saying about there were too many moments in this movie where Taika wanted to insert a joke and the joke didn't work for whatever reason. And I think some of it did work because he does so well with the character work. I think we need to see some more of the team, but and what is there works really well. I like Michael Fassbender a lot in this movie. Going from the killer to this is like gives you whiplash because it really shows his range as well. And uh, by the end of this film, I had very good feelings about it, but uh, it's, yeah, the, the, the like, beginning is super, rough, super uneven, really uneven. It's interesting because. <sighs> Every time when he's tried to do stuff like this, I've, I've found it to be fairly uneven generally. Like, I'm not a huge fan of Jojo Rabbit, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, a movie that that takes on horrible things with a childlike sense of whimsy that does not work for me. Mm-hmm. But in that movie, there's one, one really big emotional gut punch that is really highlighted by some of the lightheartedness that, like, makes it land even harder. And I think he's going for that here, and it doesn't work quite as well. Mm-hmm. And I think especially at the beginning, I actually think it's interesting because I think Oscar Knightley uh, is a really good actor. I've seen him in a couple of things before. He, he plays the the head of the Football Association of uh, American Samoa. And But everything he says makes me wonder, everything he says and, everything, and the way he delivers it, everything he says in this film makes me wonder if Taika originally just wanted to play that character. You know? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um, because he just talks the way you expect Taika Waititi to talk in things now. Mm. Like he basically he sounds like um, uh, Korg from yeah. the Thor movies, Thor. and he sounds. Yeah. It's uh, it's a bit. It doesn't. You can see how it could work, but it just doesn't quite. You know, and it does. Mm-hmm. It does towards the end. It just really takes a while to. Maybe you just have to get used to it. I don't know what it is. It's uh. But it doesn't work at the start, and it doesn't work. There's two really big emotional moments in this movie, and one of them lands, and the other one is undercut by the humor both before and after it. Mm. The humor, there's a, a one joke during it that I think is wonderful, actually, but there's a series of like humorous moments right before it and right after it that m- make the tonal whiplash too much to bear. And uh, I don't know. It's... At the end of the day, the movie's fine. I actually really liked... I, th- I thought Fassbender did a good job. I think Kaimana is a force of nature, and I hope to see them in more stuff. Um, I think there's going to... Probably there have been some people, and probably will be some people, who have some trouble with... There's this. There's a scene... So, uh, 
Jaya, the character and the and the real person, is a non non binary person. And there's a moment where sh- where they get dead named, and I think that's a really rough. I found that moment really, really, really upsetting. Mm. But to the film's credit, they do like. I don't. I'm not sure they they do deal with it. I guess is yeah, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, um, that's what they want you to feel. I think. Yeah. Interestingly, um, I read yesterday the the real Thomas Rongan had never exhibited any transphobia at all. It was never a part of anything. It was inserted for the movie, which I think is an interesting narrative choice. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is meant to see. I mean, maybe part of the reason the movie is such a mess in the beginning is that he's a total mess in the beginning. Like, the, as much as this film is about the sports team, you know, achieving their goal, it's really about him remembering how to be a person. And uh, I think that is a it's a shorthand way to show that he's forgotten what it's like to be a person and to respect other people. And I, I found it to be jarring, jarring, like upsetting and jarring. Uh, The, um, the, I really, really enjoyed, there's a way, uh, that when you've got an underdog story building towards one big match, um, that's, that's a bit of a cliche. And I, really enjoyed how he chose to deliver the information about the second half of the match. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was quite a big uh, narrative swing to not just show the match um, in a linear fashion um, without revealing too much about how it's done. It's done as a, uh, a uh, after the fact narrative, but it jumps around very quickly some timelines of the characters as well retelling mm-hmm. the parts of the story in that sort of lovely narrative um style like this the story tr- story tradition of of passing on different parts of your life and i really actually loved that i thought it was a fantastic directorial tool and that's the thing with tiger is that he he has that creativity of approach in how a story is told brilliantly i think and I think sometimes he just maybe loses track of when to make when to try and make something funny instead of finding the comedy in the moment quietly. When some sometimes it just goes full slapstick and uh, and it just didn't because the rest of the movie is trying to be heartfelt. You do have that tonal whiplash. It's a mm-hmm. shame because I, I I I positive feelings by the end of it, but. There was a point where I was wondering if I was going to watch it. I'm glad I did. Yeah, it's tough to. It's tough because the movie does end really strong, and I agree with what you're saying about the way they chose to portray the final match. I thought was really inventive and fun. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, the the beginning was a bit tough to get through. At, at the end of the day, I think um, totally fine, total three star, totally fine movie. I don't. Uh, I ended up purchasing it to watch it, and I don't regret that. I'm sure I'll watch it again at some point, uh, mm. if only for the bits, for the fun bits, you know. So, yeah, three stars for me. Yeah, a three as well for me, and I'm actually really surprised by that because in the first third, uh, I was nowhere near three stars. I was not predicting this was going to go well at all, but uh, it's a solid three for me as well. I think mm. once you can, once you get to the island basically once he has a shave that's your cue that if you can get past that point 
then uh, things start looking up from that point. As he shows off his fake beard. Yeah, it's like the opposite of the TV trope. That's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yes, totally. For those of you who don't know, the TV trope is that there's several shows that uh, grow- growing the beard is the opposite of jumping the shark. Like in several shows, that's when the show gets really good. Including, but not limited to, Star Trek The Next Generation and the original <laughs> CSI show. <laughs> yes. um, so that's interesting. Um, mm. But I, yeah. I would recommend, yeah, I'd recommend it. It's not a film you need to rush out and watch in the cinema. You can watch it at home. It's a very, there's worse things you can do on a Friday night with some popcorn and a burger. And uh, it does, it does give you those those good feelings does give you a nice serotonin injection at the end. It's the game's done very, very well. Um, and, and Fassbender does a very nice job of sort of working through. It's a, it's a really good, on his trauma. It's a really good ad for the documentary, which I now want to watch. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah. Have to check so I, uh, maybe I'll touch base about that next week. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Definitely. We will Good. see. So, three stars all around then. Yeah, three look at that. Two. Way under time, which is our I know, usual thing. <laughs> this is the problem when you have films you feel medium about. Is there's not? Yeah, it really is. You know, it's the thing I I often say I'm worried about this kind of thing happening on the show, and it almost never does. But then sometimes, sometimes it does. And then we have two of them. Yeah, yeah. But I would I would say there's one <laughs> of these films that I would recommend you watch, and that's next goal wins. So that's something. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're going to choose one of them, that's probably yes. the way to go. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, should we wrap it up we, early and yeah, there? That, yes. Awesome. Well, if you've been listening to this, uh, thank you so much for doing so. Uh, if you would like to support us, we would be very, very, very happy to see if you could maybe, I don't know, give us a five-star review on your podcasting platform of choice or uh, subscribe even. We have a number of new subscribers this week, so welcome to all of you. Um, if you want to support us, uh, or and honestly, share the show on the socials. The socials and, and reviews and subscriptions are the things that will get us in front of more earballs, and uh, those are the things that are helpful beyond measure. Uh, but if you'd like to support us more directly, we do have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash mcsimpson. And each week, you also get a bonus episode if you're a subscriber, a supporter. And each week is a little bit... This week's was a little bit rambly. We talked about all kinds of things, really. Um, usually, Bubbles. we ask each other a couple of questions. Uh, and it's a little more free form, but it's a lot of fun. And you can listen to it for as little as two Canadian dollars per month. What? Which is like less than a third of a cup of coffee in Vancouver where we live. <laughs> um, for each of these movies, if you do want to watch them, I encourage you to check the show notes for the episodes homepage link on those pages. You'll find our, both our star ratings, but more importantly, you will find links powered by just watch that will tell you where you can watch each of these films. And if you use those links, um, uh, we will help us keep the lights on. So please do that. Um, you can, every episode has those links. So if you wanted to watch, you know, whatever we talked about last week, which has just gone out of my brain or whatever, just find the episode about the movie that, um, you want to watch and there'll be a link to where you can watch it. It's pretty great. I think. Wow. Yes. I know, right? It is. It's the magic of technology. (laughs) 
Um, uh, where, where can they find us? Oh yeah, they could. If you want to catch up with us, um, I am on most of the socials at Matthew AF. Simon is not on the socials, uh, but you can always catch up with us at our respective homepages. Mine is stretched.ca. Simon's is temporarypen.com. And the show is awesomefriday.ca. Last but not least, we live here in Vancouver. We are on the unceded and ancestral territories of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish nations. And one last time, thank you so much for listening and for joining us on this awesome Friday. Thank you.